Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MetaBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of complications of prematurity found under the pediatric section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A one-day-old newborn is being evaluated in the neonatal intensive care unit for dyspnea. The patient was born to a 16-year-old girl at 29 weeks of gestation by spontaneous vaginal delivery. The patient's mother did not attend any prenatal appointments. Her medical history is significant for cocaine use. On exam, the patient appears cyanotic and tachypnic. There is grunting, nasal flaring, and accessory muscle use. A chest radiograph is obtained. This is a case of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. Let's continue with an introduction to complications of prematurity. As a general overview, remember that preterm infants are defined by gestational age less than 37 weeks. Demographically, this occurs in 5-18% to of births worldwide, and preterm birth complications are a leading cause of death for patients less than 5 years of age worldwide. Remember that morbidity and mortality in preterm infants increases with decreasing birth weight and gestational age. Now let's discuss neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. Demographically, this affects more than 50% of infants born at less than 28 weeks of gestation, but only less than 5% of infants born greater than 37 weeks of gestation. In terms of the pathogenesis, there is a deficiency of pulmonary surfactant. Remember that sufficient pulmonary surfactant concentration is not reached until 35 to 36 weeks of gestation, so this causes alveolar collapse. Symptoms usually present soon after birth, and they may include tachypnea, nasal flaring, grunting, accessory muscle use, and cyanosis. In terms of imaging, chest radiography may demonstrate atelectasis, which will demonstrate increased linear densities and opacities, as well as air bronchograms, which may present as tubular outlines of the airways. In terms of further studies, an arterial or venous blood gas can be obtained, which may demonstrate respiratory and metabolic acidosis, as well as hypoxia. In terms of treatment, prevention is with antenatal glucocorticoids. This stimulates infant lung maturation, and it is recommended for pregnant women less than 34 weeks of gestation who are at risk of preterm delivery within seven days. First-line treatment options may include nasal continuous positive airway pressure with the positive and expiratory pressure, and if it is severe, one may consider intratracheal surfactant and intubation. Complications may include bronchopulmonary dysplasia and patent ductus arteriosus. Now let's discuss bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Demographically, infants born less than 32 weeks of gestation who required prolonged mechanical ventilation are at risk. This should be especially considered if they are still requiring oxygen past their original due date. The pathogenesis includes barotrauma and oxygen toxicity. In terms of the presentation, there may be persistent symptoms of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, as well as increasing oxygen demand. On imaging, chest radiography may demonstrate atelectasis. Further studies may include arterial or venous blood gas, which may demonstrate respiratory and metabolic acidosis, as well as hypoxia. One may consider an echocardiogram in order to monitor for development of pulmonary hypertension. This may be demonstrated as increased pulmonary artery pressure or right heart strain. Treatment is with controlled oxygenation, but complications may include pneumothorax. Now let's discuss anemia of prematurity. 
in terms of the pathogenesis. Remember that erythropoiesis normally decreases after birth due to increased tissue oxygenation following the onset of breathing and ductus arteriosus closure. In preterm infants, this occurs earlier, about 3 to 12 weeks post-birth, and with more severity. There may be impaired production of erythropoietin, reduced red blood cell lifespan, and blood loss from iatrogenic blood sampling. On presentation, some patients may be asymptomatic, but there may also be poor weight gain, tachycardia, and increased episodes of apnea. In terms of further studies, labs may demonstrate a low hemoglobin, low hematocrit, and low reticulocyte count, but a normal mean corpuscular volume. The peripheral smear may demonstrate normocytic and normochromic red blood cells. Treatment is with iron supplementation and blood transfusions as needed. Now let's discuss intraventricular hemorrhage. Demographically, the majority are newborns who have a birth weight less than 1,500 grams and are born at less than 32 weeks of gestation. In terms of the pathogenesis, there's a fragile germinal matrix, so there's an increased risk of bleeding into the ventricular system of the brain. The symptoms will usually appear between 0 to 5 days after birth, and these may include lethargy, seizure, cranial nerve abnormalities, hypotonia, apnea, bulging anterior fontanelle, and head circumference enlargement, which does not increase until it is severe. Imaging should include cranial ultrasound. Treatment is with supportive care. If it is severe, one may consider serial lumbar punctures, diuretics, and a ventriculoperitoneal shunt. Complications may include cerebral palsy and developmental delay. Now let's discuss hypothermia. In terms of the pathogenesis, remember that patients have a large body surface relative to their size, and there is an inability to produce enough heat. Presentation may include a temperature less than 37 degrees Celsius, cyanosis, and lethargy. Treatment is with slowed warming. And finally, other complications of prematurity to consider include patent ductus arteriosus, retinopathy of prematurity, necrotizing enterocolitis, neurological disorders such as cerebral palsy and developmental delay, hypo- and hyperglycemia, and increased risk of infections and growth impairment. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to complications of prematurity, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A one-month-old boy is brought in by his mother for episodes of not breathing. She reports noticing that the patient will occasionally stop breathing while he's sleeping, and that these episodes have been occurring more frequently. The patient was born at 32 weeks due to placental insufficiency. He was in the neonatal intensive care unit for one day to be placed on a respirator. During prenatal testing, it was revealed that the mother was not immune to rubella, but she otherwise had an uncomplicated pregnancy. She has no medical conditions and took only prenatal vitamins. The patient has a three-year-old sister who is healthy. His father has a quote-unquote heart condition. The patient's temperature is 98 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.7 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 91 over 55. Pulse is 207 beats per minute. And respirations are 50 breaths per minute with an oxygen saturation of 97% on room air. Physical exam is notable for pale conjunctiva. Labs are obtained which demonstrate a leukocyte count of 10,000, hemoglobin of 8.2, hematocrit of 28%, mean corpuscular volume of 100, 
platelet count of 300,000, reticulocyte count of 0.8%, with the normal range between 2 and 6%, and lactate dehydrogenase of 120, with the normal range between 100 and 250. A peripheral smear reveals normocytic and normochromic red blood cells. Which of the following is a mechanism for the patient's most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Congenital infection Choice 2. Hemoglobinopathy Choice 3. Impaired erythropoietin production Choice 4. Minor blood group incompatibility Or Choice 5. Red blood cell membrane defect The best answer to this question is Choice 3. Impaired erythropoietin production the patient is a premature infant presenting with apnea, tachycardia, low hemoglobin, and low reticulocyte count. This is consistent with anemia of prematurity, which is in part caused by impaired erythropoietin production. Anemia of prematurity is an exaggerated pathologic response of preterm infants. Erythropoiesis normally decreases after birth due to increased tissue oxygenation following the onset of breathing and ductus arteriosus closure. In preterm infants, this occurs earlier, about 3 to 12 weeks post-birth, and with more severity, it is caused predominantly by impaired production of erythropoietin. Other factors include a reduced red blood cell lifespan and blood loss from iatrogenic blood sampling. Patients can be asymptomatic or may present with poor weight gain, tachycardia, and increased episodes of apnea. Labs demonstrate low hemoglobin, low hematocrit, low reticulocyte count, and normal MCV. A peripheral smear will demonstrate normocytic and normochromic red blood cells. Treatment is iron supplementation and blood transfusions as needed. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Congenital infections such as congenital rubella can cause anemia and thrombocytopenia. Usually the anemia is due to both hemolysis and bone marrow suppression. Other birth defects associated with congenital rubella infection include petechiae and purpura, as well as hearing loss, ocular abnormalities, hepatosplenomegaly, and neurological impairments. Choice 2. Hemoglobinopathy such as thalassemias or sickle cell disease can cause anemia. Some thalassemias are severe and incompatible with life. Minor variants will demonstrate microcytic and hypochromic anemia and an increase in reticulocyte count. Sickle cell anemia would have sickled red blood cells on peripheral smear. Choice 4. Minor blood group incompatibility is uncommon but can cause hemolytic anemia. Patients may present with jaundice. Lactate dehydrogenase would be elevated. Choice 5. Red blood cell membrane defects such as hereditary spherocytosis can cause increased red blood cell destruction leading to a hemolytic anemia. Lactate dehydrogenase would be elevated. Additionally, defective red blood cells would be seen on peripheral smear. Finally, a bullet summary. Anemia of prematurity is caused by impaired erythropoietin production, shorter red blood cell lifespan, and iatrogenic blood sampling. That's all for this review about complications of prematurity. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on metbullets.com. 
you can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.